Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You are welcome. I mean, this is a packed podcast, right? I mean, this is, I would call this the most packed podcast we've ever had. Why? <laughs> because so much meaningless stuff is happening. So much stuff is well, happening. Yeah, and some meaningful it's stuff. It's not meaningless. There's there's it no, is meaningful. It, there's some yes. meaningful stuff and some meaningless stuff. And um we have a lot to talk about. We want to talk about major league baseball transactions. We have an important uh, breakthrough in wordle technology yes. that we need to Very not technology important. but uh, but uh, but uh philosophy, wordle philosophy that we need wordle to Wordle philosophy, to. yes. Also, I have an idea. I've not told you this yet, but I have an idea for a new segment which I'd like to debut. <laughs> It's very it's very brief, but uh, but I feel it very strongly that this needs to be a new segment. That's uh, interesting because yeah. I also have a new segment uh, to introduce. <laughs> so so that's the effect, and we probably should just start with this so we can get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna have the saddest Cleveland Browns update. Yeah. Ever. Yes, yeah. a, uh, a game-changing a game yeah. changing and maudlin Cleveland Browns update based on it's the gonna last be a maudlin. Piece it's, you wrote it's, for your Substack. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 won't laugh. You'll cry. That's it. It's it's uh it's very thing. So let's just start there. Let's just start Great. with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so I've been a Cleveland Browns fan, of course, my whole life. Uh, as you have been a Patriots fan your whole life, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because I have watched you actually as my friend over the last three, four, five years kind of lose your connection with the Patriots. I've seen yeah. that happen. You're not, you don't, you're, you're still with them. You're, they're still your team. If I guess. I'm rooting but for, a, not... if I'm rooting for a football team, that's the team I'm rooting for. It's really a combo right. platter of less right. interested in football generally. And then also the Brady era right. ending meant that something was fundamentally changing and, and, and also you won uh, enough. Yeah. I also, they also won, <laughs> uh, they won six, Super Bowls, which Six is Super Bowl, which is uh, more Super Bowls than anyone else by a large margin <laughs> over that period of time. Yeah, and uh, so yeah. it's hard. It's a little bit hard to feel the same thing when the guy right. re- singularly responsible, one of the two guys singularly responsible for those for that crazy run leaves. You just have your relationship changes in some way to the franchise, right. uh, whether right. or not you choose to accept it. Right. I'm not comparing what happened here to to what you've been feeling with the Patriots, but I have noticed that you know you've just it's it's mm. just been fading. It's yeah. just been fading for yep. you, uh, much in the same way that sort of interest in football overall is fading. So I've been a Browns fan my whole life and have endured. I would say. 
as much or more pain and agony than any other team in the NFL. Okay, so let, let's time. let's take stock of this because I think this is an important point. Who are the, even yeah. the nominees for fans of a football team that could have suffered more than you? I would I would open with the Lions because the, the Lions, Lions open are your opening right. They're, they, they're your opening salvo. It's it's a different kind of pain though. It's the pain of never ever getting anywhere remotely in the ballpark of success, which is its own kind of pain. <laughs> right. You have had moments in your right. life as a Browns fan. The drive, Kozar, all those kinds yes. of things, and and you could argue, I suppose, that the Lions had like Barry Sanders retiring early, and they had a, right. but like they barely, they've barely made a playoff game in fifty, no, 60 that's right. years. So that that's a that's a nominee. It's a nominee, and I would say that the '80s Browns, where they did make three AFC Championship games. Certainly, the Lions have never had that level of success. I mean, they're they're the two teams of, of you know of, of vintage that have never been to a Super Bowl. So that's the comparison. Right. Obviously, the argument to me against the Lions is that they their team didn't leave, right? Like like that's that's right. the thing that sort of to me puts the Browns over the edge. But I Lions fans would do. the Bills fans have had pain, sort of Browns level pain, but on a higher note in that they've. They've mm-hmm. been to the four Super Bowls and 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 had their hearts smashed in all four. We don't talk enough about that as as a culture. We should be every day. We should be talking about how the Bills got to four consecutive <laughs> Super Bowls and lost all four of them. And lost all four of them. We should be that should be taught in schools as yes. like as a as well, like an important moment in American. Well, history. and I just watched. I guess they had a thirty for thirty on it, and I just watched. It's an older one, vintage one. But I just watched it, and it, I, I had forgotten or, or had not thought about it. Like, each of those losses was, like, of really special pain, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like the first one was the missed Scott Norwood kick. That's right. obviously as agonizing as it gets. But then there were, like, horrible blowouts where, like, like you were just a mockery kind of thing. And they then, were out of all the other ones in, in like a quarter and a half. Well, right? the fourth like, one was like a little bit different, right? Like that was the one where where like they were sort of in – I can't – like one of them they were sort of in it in the second half. Others like – one of them literally the only thing that anybody remembers is that uh, uh, the receiver chased down that defensive back right. and, and yeah, got Knocking him to fumble. Hand, yeah. So yeah. that so the, the score the wasn't one. 293. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. So – Anyway, so yeah, so they're in the mix. I think they have a combination. I don't see any of the newer teams having any any say in this conversation, like Jaguars or well, even teams. I mean, obviously now the Bills are the uh, uh, with the Chiefs, the class of the AFC. The Bengals, right. which were who were moribund and who have also had a lot of Super Bowl had heartbreak, pain. they got back to the sure. Super Bowl this year within three points of winning it. So I right. think it's pretty clear that. The only team that really gives you a run for your money is the is the Lions. And you have yes. certain things above the Lions, like the fact that your team left in, in big trucks <laughs> in the middle of the night. And then and also um and also have made um like have had a, a it's a combination of horrifying mismanagement and terrible luck. As you pointed out recently yes. in in a very good piece about Baker, where you pointed out that like they made they happened to get the number one draft choice that year, and he was probably right. the best 
decision. Like they yeah. didn't screw it up. It's just <laughs> right. that he wasn't Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or one of those guys who is right. at, or or Andrew Luck. They probably chose the right guy. It's just the right guy isn't good enough. And that uh, that kind of bad luck leads us to the deal breaker, which is now what has caused you to come to this point in your life. Yes. So the, so we're talking about the deal breaker. You know, the last few weeks have been kind of, the, the, it's been pretty sketchy. The Browns have been releasing a bunch of guys for, for money reasons, and including guys like, just guys like J.C. Treader, their center, who's just this class act and 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 great guy. And you're like, you hate seeing guys like that go. That's part of the football. That's part of the salary cap. I get it. Mm-hmm. But they've been doing that, and 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 Jarvis Landry as well, who I love, and and saving money. And then they get into the mix to try to get Deshaun Watson, right? Yeah. And they are one of really four teams that that sort of made this real push to get Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. And obviously we don't need to go into the whole story of Deshaun Watson other than um, he is facing, what, 22 civil uh, cases uh, against... 22 civil lawsuits and and the original number of women who accused him, I think, formally at least, was 23. 23 or 24 even, I think. Yeah, Yeah. right. And this is of sexual misconduct, sexual harassment... And uh, and he is not. He sat out all of last year, which, by mm. the way, nobody seems to even bring up. I mean, like he sat out all of last year. You have no idea how he's going to respond after taking off an entire year. But yeah. he sat out all of last year, and uh, and is is almost certainly going to be suspended by the NFL. So I wasn't thrilled that they got involved in in that case. Plus, in the same at the same point basically had said that Baker is their guy and then Mm -hmm. went out and publicly humiliated him by going after Deshaun Watson. Okay, so then Deshaun Watson told the Browns he wasn't coming to Cleveland, which honestly, you know, I've I've told people this, I think I wrote this, it felt like that moment in the movie where you find out that the the meteor is not going to hit Earth. You know, it's sort of, you know, you're just, yes, you know, you, you're celebrating because nothing has changed and, and because only bad things could have happened. And then the next day, I wrote, I wrote a whole column, a big, long column about Baker and the four years in Cleveland and, and mm-hmm. what a, what a, you know, he just faced a situation like no NFL players ever faced right coming in to an 0-16 uh-huh. team that still kept their coach for some reason then that guy get fired and they 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 had uh, as an interim coach the guy who was uh, suspended from the NFL for ordering bounties on quarterbacks so he had that guy for a while then they hired a guy who had never coached before they, they he had that guy for a while and then they brought in this guy the Kevin Stefanski and it was it was like really good for a little while, and then and then it, it went all went bad, and just a whole long column about sort of what these four years have been like. Because side at that note, time, by the way, side, side note, it, it's possible. Also, we learned that the reason they may have retained the guy who went zero and sixteen is because they were paying him to lose. <laughs> paying him to lose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just a little side note, a little asterisk over there. A note. little fun little bonus piece. Yeah, fun little but... extra extra little tidbit of uh, knowledge and information. But keep going. Yeah. So I was writing this piece, and I get a text, and you know, this is actually the worst part of all. I get a text from who do you think texts me? To give me the news. Who is the worst person on earth to text us to give us bad news? 
Well, I mean, it depends. By the way, whatever whatever the answer to this question is, this is not nearly the worst part of this whole thing. Let's just clarify. <laughs> no, it's, no so, it is not. Okay. But Fine. it was Seppenwall. I would say Seppenwall would, Seppen Seppen would have been my guess. Yes. Okay. Yes. It was Seppenwall who texted me, and Alan uh, said, man, I'm so sorry. That's what. That's how he's texting. <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm oh, so pity. sorry. It's yeah. Seppenwall pity. That's the worst kind A of uh, Giants fan's pity just brought oh. down on you. A Knicks and Giants fan pity. Oh. <laughs> Pain, pain. So, so I immediately like, what are you talking about? I had no idea. I go and and reach out, and it turns out that what the Brown that that Watson, quote unquote, changed his mind, which is of course very mm. funny. He didn't change his mind. The Browns literally decided to get him. They were going to mortgage literally everything they have and give him the largest deal. Mm-hmm. Largest guaranteed contract in the history of the NFL. Correct. And give uh, the Texans as many first round picks as they wanted. All, basically. all of the picks that they have in every draft for the rest of time. <laughs> uh, it's the most picks given up for one player since the, the famous Herschel Walker disaster. So, mm-hmm. so the Browns not only decided that they were going to bring in this very troubling character, Deshaun Watson, they were literally going to do anything to bring him in they 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 right. at this point and not only that I, and i want you to, to talk about the the fun little bonus they put into the deal because i yeah. know how, how angry which i you. which i believe going back to what i said a second ago is actually the it's worst the worst part, part of it it is yeah. the worst part of the deal yeah. it is so we'll get to that in one second my as soon as i saw they'd made this deal and before even all of the details had, had flowed over me i I thought I'm done. I'm done. I don't. I don't want this team anymore. I don't want. You know what? There's, and I know this is a big part. I, I, I don't know when you're actually going to announce this, but I found out through some friends of mine that you wrote a book, and in mm-hmm. this book that you wrote called How to Be Perfect, you have discussed this this incredible this exact issue. Yeah. yeah, this exact issue, this moral dilemma, this moral choice we have to face to root for teams when when they do things. And I have been willing to overlook everything and everything. And I and people have written to me saying, "Look, this is not the worst thing they've done. I mean, why why didn't you do this when they signed Kareem Hunt, who who was caught on camera video?" Mm-hmm. And I don't have an answer to that other than it all added up finally. You know, right. it, we just the I just got broke. to a point. I can't yeah. root for this team. I cannot root for that team. So my daughter and I, who is the my younger daughter Katie, who who chose the Browns so she could bound with me. Uh, we are free agents. We are now full free agents, uh, and uh, we're going to see where it goes. Okay, we will return to your fandom free agency in a second because I think we should make a big deal out of this, and I think yes, we should it have. Is a big I think there should be an ongoing segment, a different new ongoing segment <laughs> on the show, where we, like we did with Linda Holmes when she was shopping for a baseball team, I think yes. we should shop around for you. Yes, people, we should bring people on who make their arguments for their teams. Yes, we should run through them, and I, I don't. We have a lot of time before the season starts. We have it's all true. the way to to September. I think that we should really take our time with this and make sure, because th- hopefully this is the last time you ever have to do this. <laughs> it is. And, and we want to get this right. So yeah. let's 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 put your fandom aside for a second and talk about a couple specific things about the Deshaun Watson deal. Oh, yes. $230 million guaranteed. That's right. Uh, depending on whether you count the 23 women who made formal complaints of That's sexual right. assault or simply the 22 women who are part of the civil suits. Right. You can see this as either 
$10 million per woman that he allegedly sexually assaulted. That's or right. Or a $10 million signing bonus and then and $10, then million, $10 million. million. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. All yeah. of it guaranteed, every single dollar of it guaranteed. It's never happened before. Uh, anything close, no. nothing close to this has ever happened before. Um, the, the thing that is without question in my mind, the worst part of this yes. is that his salary for next mm-hmm. year, this upcoming season, out of the $230 right. million that he has guaranteed, his salary for next year is $1 million. And the reason... $1 million. The reason that his salary is $1 million is because the Browns colluded with him to create a scenario in which if the league decides to suspend him and yes. thus forego his salary, he will only yes. lose $1 million instead of the average annual value of the contract, which is obviously 40-something million dollars. The That's legal right. term for this is mens rea. It is the guilty conscience. It is the it is the thing that you point to to say this is proof that you know that you are doing something that is bad, immoral, yes. unethical, illegal, whatever you whatever how, how you know however you want to phrase it. This is absolutely without question an organization conspiring with a man facing twenty two civil lawsuits for sexual assault. Right. deciding that they're as a little as a way to entice him to sign with their yes. team. What if we do this? What if we only pay you a million dollars next year so in the event the league suspends you, don't worry, you still get to keep $229 million of the dollars we're going to give you. Yeah. That is, uh, that is without question to me the deal breaker. If yeah. you're a Cleveland Browns fan and you read that piece of information – that's where it gets to the point where you say to yourself, as you clearly did, I cannot abide this anymore. I can't abide Because this. they are just absolutely straight up admitting that they, that they are trying to figure out a way for this guy to, uh, to get away with as much as he possibly can get away with and using money just straight up cash, straight cash, homie. Yes. That's, that's what they're offering him yes. as a way to to um, avoid any actual real punishment from the league if in the event he is suspended, which he almost certainly will be. Yeah. Roger Goodell, as cynical as this league can be and as cynical as a, an action as he uh, often makes in situations like this, he simply cannot allow this guy to walk out on the field in no. on opening day. And he won't. Next year. And he won't. And he won't. He won't. So he's probably he's probably going to sit out another full year, would be my guess. Maybe. I mean, but... Or even, half a year. Even if it's a half a year or six games or eight games, seven games, whatever it is, it's... The pay is he's losing whatever it is, $58,000. He's losing nothing. Yeah, he's losing no, it's... And, and a rounding error. Yeah. No, money. no. It's yeah. like some, some few $10,000, basically, per game... Here's here's what made me, you know, as I as I thought about this thing, here's what I thought. Somebody had to come up with this scheme. Oh yeah. I don't yes. know what's worse if basically Deshaun Watson and his agents said, hey, we want to get paid, but we want only to get paid $1 million next year so that the suspension doesn't touch it. Or, and I think this probably is worse, the Browns figured out to do it this way. Way worse, way worse. Oh, that's way. I mean, worse. the Browns agreeing to it is bad Browns, enough. I mean, Browns like are, that's yeah. that's bad enough. But I kind of yes. suspect the fact that he said no to the Browns and then the next day said yes to the Browns tells, tells me. Okay. And look, so bad. And, and look, so I've bad. heard from a lot of Browns fans who are like, "I can't give up this team. 
you're wrong. You know, look, the, the, everybody does bad things. This guy was, was mm -hmm. uh, you know, not indicted by a grand jury, blah, blah, blah. Look, I'm not even in an arguing mode on this. I know you are, and you would want to fight those guys. But I my am. point is, look, if you <laughs> want to be a Browns fan, I grew up in Cleveland. I know what that's like. I understand. And and somebody wrote to me and said, oh, you'll be back when they win, which is 100% the opposite of how I feel. And like, if they win, it's worse. Like, I, like I, would, I would never want to be a part of that team winning in this way. So that's part of that. But the other, you know, people are like, you know, you've invested 50 plus years of your life and gotten nothing out of it. Like the team, you know, like yeah. how can you, how can you just give up on them now? And it's like, I just, I can't abide it. I cannot abide it. I mean, the, the, look, who, who knows what the future holds? Maybe uh, after some amount of time, he's not on the team anymore. Maybe the team is sold to a better owner, and there's a you wipe the slate clean and whatever, of course. and you find your way back to the team. I think that's totally possible the way the league works, whatever. So never say never. Let me say a couple <laughs> things because I am, unlike you, in the arguing mode about this. The Everyone, as people are wont to do in situations like this, are jumping up and down and saying, innocent until proven guilty, this is America, blah, 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 blah. The grand jury uh, that indicted him in Harris, uh, attempted to indict him in Harris County um, heard from exactly one witness. One. That's right. One woman testified in front of that grand jury. So when you say a grand jury failed to indict, what right. you're saying is, no, no, no. A grand jury that heard from one woman failed to indict him. Yeah. When in fact, there are more than 20 women who were accusing him of this. And something tells me that a grand jury that heard from 23 or 24 women yes. all telling yes. remarkably similar kinds of stories about the kind of thing of he did to them would have been more likely to indict him. So that is not an argument that actually works or has any merit. You know, a grand jury doesn't need the same level to, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they can indict anybody they want. And that's true. I mean, they really can. That whole ind I can indict a sandwich thing is it's true. But they have to have the motivation to do it. And mm -hmm. you tell me what the motivation of a grand jury in Houston is to indict Deshaun Watson. You tell me. Arguably the most famous person in the, in Harris County. <laughs> and and I think it's a pretty fair argument that the fact they only listened to one woman tells you that was not the most motivated grand jury. Nor was it the most motivated attorney seeking the indictment, right. obviously. Right, right. Um, also... Um, Jason Concepcion uh, at Network on Twitter, who is uh, yes. also a writer for a TV show that I'm working on now called Primo, um, that Shea Serrano uh, created, which uh, will hopefully be out later this year. And going to be amazing. He made the best point about this, which is if you're Deshaun Watson and you are actually innocent of all of these charges, and yet 23 or 24 different women are accusing you of this. I you would probably want the FBI to start poking around into what what who is in, who is backing this conspiracy who is who's rankled these women how what are, what is their motivation why is his career being threatened and damaged uh, by by a, some kind of master puppeteer pulling the strings to get all of these women to come yeah. forward and accuse you of a fairly heinous series of crimes. Uh, very heinous, yes. A and here is the here is the obvious. Uh, by the way, that's utterly true. Yes. And also, you might say, well, I think the reason that he's not really that concerned about it is because he knows 
that people who were like him, meaning very famous and wealthy and powerful people, don't go to jail for this. They just don't. Yeah. That's not what no. happens in this country. No. They do not go to jail for things like this. They, especially when um, they know, like his agent is like, don't worry, this is gonna be fine. We're gonna force a trade. We're gonna get to a different yeah. place. And the evidence for that is, as Dan Lebatard, uh, head goon at, over at Metal Arc Media, Dan Lebatard, has been talking about for days now, what was happening in these meetings wasn't the teams interviewing Deshaun Watson. It was Deshaun Watson interviewing sure the was. teams. Sure it was. It was, you tell me why I should come here. Yes. And to think about the, the, the refrain, the endless refrain in the modern world about sexual uh, charges of sexual assault is, why don't more women come forward? Yeah. Why don't yeah. women report this when it happens? Well, here's why. Yeah. They, Dozens, quite literally, dozens of women all came forward. They 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 got their uh, uh, gumption up, and they they were brave, and they some stepped forward. Some put their names with it. Yep. Some put, their, put names their names on with it. it. Yep. And they said, "This rich and powerful person, this famous athlete, who is a beloved figure in the the third largest city in America, right? He he assaulted us. Here's exactly yep. how he did it. Here's what happened. Here's what it yep. looked like." And they, uh, the result of their bravery and their, their stepping forward out of the shadows and into the light is no one believes them. Everybody yep. thinks they're, uh, they're gold diggers. The guy who they accused has $230 million coming to him. He's just casually moving cities and yep. he, will, he will make $230 million and they will get exactly nothing. And this? everyone is now saying... Uh, you know, Walter, they had the right to accuse him and he had the right to defend himself and the grand jury failed to indict and so it's over and he's innocent. And so so anytime this ever happens, just remember this, when you say, well, why don't more women come forward? Right. This is exactly, literally exactly the reason. 100% why. And, you know, you talk about these things that sort of are hints it was. I thought it was very, very interesting. He is. He his lawyer. His lawyer is Rusty Harden, the same guy who defended um, uh, Roger Clemens, and 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 as sort of famous for for. And I'm sure he's a very good lawyer. And he came out and said something to the effect of, "Okay, look, he he did. He committed no crimes. Of course, he did nothing wrong. Everything. Mm-hmm. It is true that there were some sexual." Um, relationships, but mm. they were consensual. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like, like you're not even saying like, no, no, there's literally nothing to this. Now you're saying, no, no, it was, yeah, okay, yes, yes, he did have sexual uh, relations with these with these women who are um, massage therapists for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, right. But purely consensual because that's how it works, right? That's that's that's. I mean, who who doesn't think of of, of it that way, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it's the, gross. It, I'm it's, so I'm so it's, sick. When you're talking about, so uh, you mentioned this earlier, but I I haven't mentioned it, so I want to just bring it up now. As I wrote a book uh, called How to Be Perfect. It's See, finally, finally, yeah. look, I've got to find this out from other people. It's ridiculous. I know. I should have. I should have mentioned it. Um, but there's a whole chapter about this, like you said, yeah. and and, the, and it's essentially uh, here's the TLDR for that for that chapter of my book. 
there are things in our lives that are inexorably wound around our, our souls and our hearts and our DNA and our brains and everything else that are inseparable from who we are. And when one of those things is so deeply problematic that you come to these crisis points, you basically have no good options because right. ripping them out of your lives seems too painful and it, it runs a counter to childhood memories and shared sure. family experiences and friendships and everything else. And yet you and yet not doing that, leaving that thing as a part of your life forces you to morally reckon with the terrible thing that the people or the organization or both have done. And so it's there's a middle there's this middle zone with things like this and we've all been there with a singer or an actor or someone. Absolutely. There are, there are, there are these middle zones where either side feels too painful. It just feels yeah. too painful to cut it out of your life and it feels too painful to let it, let it stay in your life. And what I argue in the book is basically your only real choice is to keep both things in your head at the same time. That yeah. I love this thing and this thing is problematic and causes me anguish. And the only right. real mistake you can make is trying, is pretending that one of those two things isn't true. Yeah. There, But there is also, I talk about in this book, um, there are moments where at some point these people or organizations or institutions just are going to cross a line and yeah. they're going to do something that is so anathema to who you are, how you see yourself, what you consider to be your own sense of integrity and everything else that you just have no choice. You have to make that painful decision to take a scalpel and just cut out the outline of the Cleveland Browns uh, <laughs> logo out of your yeah. heart and soul and throw yeah. it in the garbage. And I, you know, there have certainly been people in my life um, that I've felt that about who have made music or uh, you know, I was a huge Eric Clapton fan my whole sure. life. I loved Eric Clapton. I was I learned some number of years ago that Eric Clapton is kind of a racist asshole who, who went on a crazy rant at a concert a long time ago and talked about immigrants and used a bunch of very unpleasant words. And that was a real dent in the side in the side. And then I have since learned a number of other things about him. And then he made a really, really bad uh musically bad but also thematically bad song against vaccines yep. during the pandemic and and like at some point i'm not exactly even sure when it was i was just like all right i'm done i'm not yeah. i'm never right. gonna listen to those songs again like and and you know look i have the benefit of i've listened to them for 40 years of my yes. life and they're the same and i can remember them if i want to but i'm not gonna support him or listen to his music or anything else because it's just i just can't reckon with the yeah. difference between how I see myself in the world and how that guy sees the world. And it became clear to me as the second that this happened, I actually in my head predicted this. I When I saw the, the tweet from Schefter, I thought to myself, Joe's done. Like Joe's yeah. done. There's no yeah. way knowing you the way I do, there is simply no way you were gonna continue to write a Browns diary and watch the games and root for the team. I just, I just couldn't imagine that happening. And then like, Five seconds later, you had written three thousand words about why you were done, and but like I don't know how you did it. I think even for a guy who writes fast, this was the fastest you've ever written. Well, anything. yeah, and there was a reason because I, like I said, I had just written this this uh, piece on Baker, and it was going to run. My editor, you know, the guy who edits my my Joe blogs, um, was beginning to look at it, and I literally slacked him, like, "Hey, whoa, 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 wait a minute!" Like some news yeah. is breaking. And then I'm like, okay, well, that can't run. I mean, someday I might run it, but that can't run. Um, 
but I'm done with the Browns. And it's interesting the way you said it when you were talking about Clapton, because that's how I felt. Not, it was not a defiant, oh, these guys, I... It was just this very sad... Just relief. Okay, I'm done with them. I'm just done. That's it. Yeah, Yeah, no, it was just, I'm done. It's just like, you know what? No. And again, I'm not defiant. I'm I'm not going to go pick it. I'm not going to, like, it's not like that, you know? I I cherish Cleveland. I cherish the memories I have of the Browns. Um, I just don't... There's no place in my life for it anymore. Well, you have in front of you a number of interesting options, and we should explore them on the podcast. You have it's going to be Can- great. The Kansas City Chiefs. You have a connection to Kansas City very much, and that has been the the big push here in the house because mm-hmm. both my other daughter and my wife are big Kansas City Chiefs fans. It uh, would be very very funny if you became a Patriots fan. I'm just saying. I don't <laughs> think you should, but it would be very funny. Now. That would be very. That would be. And here's the great thing. And this is what I'm saying to people. So when we have guests come on to try to make their pitch for. The Bills or the Jaguars or the Falcons or, you know, I live in Charlotte, the Panthers, whatever. Um, you get a diary. Like, like, like yeah. the diary. I'm not going to stop doing the diary. The diary is going to go to whatever new team right. that, I, that I choose. So. I think there's also a fun argument to be made that you pick a team essentially at random, right? Yes. That you say, like, I'm all in on the San Diego uh, slash LA Superchargers, <laughs> and I'm going to get involved in the history of where, here's how they were in San Diego, and here's how yeah. they are now in LA. And I'm Justin Herbert's going to be there for 15 or 18 years, and he's the, great. The greatest and, part of all of this, though, is that you and I on this podcast right now, we're not going to because we, we've got so much more ground to cover, but we could right now eliminate. A number of teams that we know it's not going to be. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's not going to be the Cowboys. It's not going to be the Steelers. It's not going to be the Ravens. It's not right. going to be the the uh, Raiders. I it's mean, like be they're, the Jets. It's not going to be not, the Giants. It's not the gonna... Jets are interesting though. <laughs> I got to say, the Jets are kind of interesting to me. But one of my best okay. friends is a Jets fan. It would be that again. Would be very. It, it would. It would be really funny. My text to you was, "You got to pick the Lions." You you picked the, right only, away the yeah. Lions. Yeah, but, which I think is right. But what about the Bills? Like I've heard from a lot of Bills fans already, and that's it. They're, here's the thing I'm throwing out the window. Okay. They don't because because I was in there thinking like, oh, I don't want them to be too good. You know what? That's not that's not a consideration. Yeah. That's that's not if if they're good, they're good. If they're not, they're not. But I'm not gonna. That. I don't want to pick a team just because they're bad. Yeah. That's that doesn't seem. I've dealt with bad. I've had enough bad. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, I, I I'm think not... that you have to truly ignore past success and hints of future success. It's got right. to be about the city, the franchise, the organization, exactly. the team, the guts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I All think right, this well, is we should be start. Fun. We should start lining up some guests. Um, yes. If you are a. Uh, We'll, we'll we'll do it the way we've sort of done our um, a version of how we've done our uh, nicknames, our, our yes. official nicknames for baseball. Yes, we'll have a different idea to throw out there every week yes. or so, and at least yes. once a month, and we'll see if we can slowly zone in on a team. We're going to slowly zone in. I think this is going to be great. All right, we are going to go literally through every single baseball transaction, which is going to be so funny and take way too long. But before we do that. I don't know what we will call this segment, but but it is time for some word of philosophy. It is time. And this is all you. I'm giving you. I'm going to say it. I'm going to announce what it is. But it's all you because you were the one that came up with this philosophy. So I assume many of you are playing the game Wordle, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a sheer delight. Mike and I are obsessive Wordle, Nerdle, Quartle, uh, Octurtle, uh, Dordle, <laughs> 
uh, people. So we, sure. you do the map one. I don't do the map one, but but world uh, and world I don't do that yeah. one, but I do do the math one. So so this is this is just a thing that occurred to me a long time ago that I have sent to a couple people on yes. Twitter as a way to think about Wordle. That's right. Which I which I really believe is the right way to think about. It. It's really really good. And here is the deal. Yeah. Wordle is like golf. Mm-hmm. And every Wordle is a par four. That's right. So you start off every Wordle as a par four. So you wrote this on Twitter to a couple people, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, that's really fun. That's really a fun thing. But now that I do it, I literally think entirely about golf when yeah. I'm doing Wordle. So if I like do a good first word, which gets like maybe two letters in the right place and a right. third letter... I drove the green. It's yeah. a par four, and I drove the green. Yeah, or right? or you have like a you have like a sixty foot chip. Right, right. right. It's like you you it's a three hundred yard drive right down the middle. You've got a great right. you got a great line on the pin. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's what the announcers would say. Green light. You have a green light. That's right. For for the play. And if right? you and if you go zero for five, you you it's just a shank. you hook oh, the ball into the. It's into out the of bounds. Yeah. Basically, yeah. You basically you got to say and you literally have to save par. So you if you start thinking par. of it as a par four hole. Everything lines up, right? Three is a birdie, which which right. really, really, I think it, it connects exactly to how you feel when you get it in three yes. versus getting it yes. in four. You get it in three, you feel good about your day. You get it yes. in four, you're like, nah, it's a push. Like and if you get it in five, oh, you're, you're like, you, this you, was a, you, you my whole day is ruined. Yeah. And, my and whole a, day is and ruined. And a six is like, oh my God. You're, it's, six is a combination of relief that you didn't lose. That's right. That's right. But also right. just embarrassment and shame and agony. Yes. Um, well, and sometimes, and, and there's so many great little twists to it. So the other day, Josh Raywich, who is the president of the uh, uh, Hall of Fame, Baseball mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, uh, who is somebody that we are going to kidnap and hold uh, as ransom the the Satchel Page bat right. that they are going to. We're send either going to kidnap him and then force the Hall of Fame to send the bat to ha- to the Negro Leagues Museum in order to have That's it right. released, or we're going to just uh, do pull like an Ocean's Eleven scheme, like Ocean's Eleven, like a Mission Dis- Impossible, yes. get in there, distract him, and then you. St- <laughs> I distract him, you get in there and steal the bat. We're not sure which one, but it will be one of those two things. We and we don't want them to know. They'll we we don't want them to know. They'll never. Coming, they'll right? never know it's. Coming. They'll never. They'll never see it. Josh did one where he got four letters out of order on his first drive. So he great drive, right. fantastic drive. He's right in front of the green, and then. He got on his second drive, he got four letters right, but the right. first letter wrong. Right. So that's a perfect little chip. He had a little six footer for you're six, birdie. You're six feet from the hole. Six feet from the hole. Six yeah. footer for birdie, uphill. He proceeded to like miss the six footer, mm-hmm. left like a five footer coming back, miss that. Lipped out. Then lipped out. <laughs> then he had a three footer, miss that. Yeah. And then he had to get double bogey. He had like a little one footer, and he missed that. Yeah. So he literally more he didn't he did not get the wordle. It was a Jan Jan Vandeveld level collapse. <laughs> it was a, it was it was absolutely a Vandeveld. You do and, get into those things where you're like you have U N C H and it's like lunch no hunch no bunch, bunch? no munch no and you're just and then you're done. And yeah, he was truly. He awful. totally got. He it was it was I think it was maybe the word ended up being taper maybe or so it was like there was paper and caper and and right. you know so it was it was bad uh and i feel bad for him 
it, it will not prevent us from stealing the bat. No. Um, but but again, now all I see when people put up their Wordle scores, which you both we both agree they should stop doing. Everyone should stop doing this immediately. Just stop. Yes, this is embarrassing for everyone. Seppenwall puts it up every day. I, I every I, day. It's it's um it's it's now crossed over from annoying to distasteful. <laughs> It's now officially like if this were like the turn of the century New York society, you would be like shunned. Yes, you'd be shunned from the drawing rooms of polite New York society for doing this. So yeah, so uh, the other thing that makes the golf score par four hole scoring system great is that you can then calculate your average. That's right. right. And you and then you can multiply it by eighteen, and then you can figure out your handicap. That's You're right. essentially your Wordle handicap. <laughs> yes. And you can also, every 18 holes, you can like check in again and see how you played the round. So That's I just right. checked in this morning and I, I'm at, I've, uh, when I, when it switched over to the times, I lost, I'm one of those people who lost, oh. lost my old scores. Yeah. Which who cares? Uh, truly, deeply, who cares about any of this? <laughs> but I'm at now 35 Wordles and uh, on the times site and I have now, and I and I'm at a 66.7, I think, uh, per 18 holes. Nice. Yeah, which is pretty good. And that's so, really good. And and again, it should be noted, I every day play Wordle, Dordle, which is two <laughs> right. Wordles simultaneously. Right. Quartle, which is four. four simultaneously, and Octordle. And then when I'm bored, which is eight. And then when I'm bored, I often just play the practice rounds of those over and over again. Just yeah, for fun. I play I'll practice Quartle quite often. Yeah. So um, it, if if your Wordle score isn't quite as good as mine. Uh, yes. You can comfort yourself by thinking about how much time I'm wasting playing. No, I games. I did the same thing. I because I got to 72 in a row because I did not lose my numbers. So I had 72. That's a full tournament. Yeah, and I was 27 under par for great. for 70, which I think is is very very good. And and the great thing is I actually did put that up on Twitter, feeling terrible about it. But I thought this was the perfect way to to fully introduce people to the to the golf concept, not just of it being a par four, but of keeping a score. Yeah, you got to uh, like keep this. score this way. Now, yeah. let me ask you this. Have you had any hole-in-ones in your 72? Uh... No hole-in-ones, but a surprising number of eagles. I think I've got like seven eagles. Oh, wow. Yeah, like a lot of twos, which is very, that's really good. I've also gotten, I've only, I've got one double bogey. So I have so that one is... double bogey. I've yeah, never, oh. I've never uh, gone over double bogey. I've never missed. No, I've one. never. I've gotten them all. There are seventy-two in a row. Um, and I have, I have one hole in one. I have. You a, do. I do. Yeah. What and was I the word? I don't even remember. I didn't even <laughs> note it for the record because, again, who cares about any of this? Right. But I have, a, I have a way fewer eagles than you. Most of mine, almost all of my scoring comes from birdies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing well with birdies, but it's the eagles that definitely gave me my score because I've got quite a few bogeys. I mean, you know, the, especially early on. I'm now. When you, as you know, for for those of you who are interested in improving your Wordle score, just play Quartle because honestly, it's, <laughs> it's so much. It's it, much more fun. It's, it's also, Octordle was a mess for a while because it it was laid out essentially vertically, where there were two side by side words that you were chasing, and then underneath those were the two more, and you had to scroll up and down. Oh, in order. I don't like that. And but they just recently went to. Uh, side by side view where all eight are laid out side by side. Oh wow! And it's much easier. It's much okay. much much better. I've easier. not played a yeah. tortle. A, war- a quartal seems like my 
That's about my speed. So I am um, excited for sesquicentortle, which is 150 <laughs> simultaneous wordles that you have to so guess. Like, by the way, what are you buying? Are you buying any of these other? Like my daughter does a bunch of like, like I don't even know what they're called, but Swordle I think is Taylor Swift stuff. I I, I don't do those. I don't like any. of Well, those. there's there's Purdle, which is named after Jakob Purdle, the um the basketball player. Yes. Where you get where you have to guess a basketball player with an eight. Right. Guesses. NBA that, player name. I right. do do that one. There's also a silhouette that you can turn on, which is really fun because like you turn on the silhouette and you're and one day I turned on the silhouette and I was like, that's Tristan Thompson. I don't know how I know that, but that's Tristan Thompson, and I got it in one guess. <laughs> and then. Uh, there's also now there's Wardle, W A R, which is a baseball player. Right. Uh, that oh, I have not seen that. I might yeah. need to do that one. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, yeah. it, they're not amazing in part because they they each have, it's a similar thing where you type in Mookie Betts and it tells you, did you get the position right, the age, the uniform number, the team, the division, oh, the oh, league, whatever. Yeah. And so that's how you're judging who it is. Gotcha. And there's a couple things like with Purdle, with Jakob Purdle, <laughs> there is a um, there's a one of the aspects of it is like is the position that he plays, yeah. and so and sometimes there's like you know people are everybody is in the modern NBA. There's very few guys who are one thing. Everyone is like a guard forward, a forward guard, a center forward, a forward right. center. So there's certain things about it that you're kind of like, well, I don't know if this guy is listed as as this. And there's also like uniform number. It'll say like, you know, if you if you type in uh, whatever uh, Chris Paul and it's right. you know his uniform number is three, and then there will be an arrow pointing up, meaning this guy's uniform number is higher than three. But who yeah. the hell knows what you know DeAndre Ayton's <laughs> uniform number is or whatever? Like it, it's impossible to. It doesn't really help you. Right. So I don't know. There, like I think uh, my friend Alan Yang said as when we were on a text thread about this, that a much more helpful thing would be um, minutes per game. Because then you oh, know, am I looking yeah. for a starter or a, or or a, a sixth player. man or, yeah. or a guy who never plays? Right, 11th man. Yeah. So I, th- I think there's ways that the, those games can kind of slowly become Yeah, I just haven't useful. gotten into them as much. It's a, the, the math one I do because it's a, it's a different formula every day. Right. And, and so it's kind of interesting. Um, but I haven't gotten into the others. All right. So uh, we've given you our Wordle uh, philosophy. I, I can't say this is going to be a repeating segment, but uh, but there it is. Uh, okay. By the way, so you you have a you have a quick yes. new segment. So a new yes. segment which we'll need music for. Okay. Um, it's it's very quick and it's simply called "Are the Minnesota Timberwolves Good?" <laughs> Been on the other side coming into Minnesota, swagless team over the years, uh, but this year is very different. Today. Uh, Saturday, March 19th. Are the Minnesota Timberwolves good? Yes. They are so good. No one is, no one's paying attention to them because they're the 23rd flashiest team in the NBA, I would say. But sneakily, quietly, this team is really good. They yeah. are they are fluid on offense. They're very good defensively. They absolutely just ran the Milwaukee Bucks out of the gym mm-hmm. uh, on, in the game they played today. Carl Anthony Towns, who's it's seven really feet good. tall, won the three point <laughs> shooting contest yep. and then dropped sixty very casually in a game recently. <laughs> Anthony Edwards is great. They have yep. a lot of big, strong dudes who rebound and can shoot threes. Right now, I just looked this up. I am not a betting man. I've never bet on sports in my life, I don't think. Okay. For any reason. The Minnesota Timberwolves are plus 12,000 
to win the NBA title. Now, wow. do I think they're going to win the NBA title? No. No. But if I were a betting man, I would throw 50 bucks at the Minnesota Timberwolves at sure. plus 12,000 when the when the Phoenix Suns are whatever plus 350 or something. Right, right. And the right. Celtics are plus 1,000 or and you know the the, the basically here's this is how cra- this is how much they are being underrated right now. The Lakers and the Timberwolves have the same odds at DraftKings to win the title. <laughs> That's, That's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. The Lakers yeah. are barely going to make the playoffs if barely. they do. If they do, they might not. And the Timberwolves are like 10 games or 11 games above 500, and they are absolutely like running teams out of the gym on a regular basis who are good quality teams. They're winning on the road. They're yeah. winning at home. They're winning everywhere. And I just I think people should pay attention to the fact that the Minnesota Timberwolves are actually a good basketball team. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and they also have the player who I believe is the if the if you were if you saw a list of names and you said, okay, which of these players is not an NBA player? You would definitely choose Jared Vanderbilt, right? Isn't isn't, isn't Jared Vanderbilt the least likely NBA name? Jared Vanderbilt is the name of a guy, an investment banker who who um, gives Elizabeth Holmes an influx of cash when she's trying to get Theranos off the ground. Like that's not a, not an NBA player, and he's good. Yeah. He's good. He, I, he actually is good. I'm telling you, something really weird is happening. And this is a good transition into our next segment, by the way, because something weird is happening in Minnesota where suddenly all of Minnesota is on fire athletically. <laughs> what so is great. going on? The Minnesota so Twins great. are secret. Are suddenly, there are a couple pitchers shy currently of, of being like a real threat. But yeah. they're, they're, suddenly the Twins are like, everyone needs to stand up oh. and pay attention to the Minnesota Twins. All right. Well, we're going to get into this because here we are. We are going to go through, I, I think now I'm looking at it. We're going to go through the the um, almost all okay. of the, because uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at some. 50 minutes. <laughs> right. And some of these just are not going to be. So I'm just going to pick one. And, and then you actually, I'm going to say the transaction. You decide whether it's. Uh, a discussion or just like yay or something like that. Okay. okay? Sounds good. All right. We're starting March 11th because that's that's when we started uh, going. Uh, March 11th, the Dodgers re-signed Clayton Kershaw. That's worth a discussion. I'm, I think it's makes, worth discussion. Makes me happy. Legitimately makes me happy. I'm happy. I'm that, happy. That guy should just play for the Dodgers for as long as he wants I to retire. I hope he does. Yeah. I, hope he's, I hope he's always a Dodger. Yeah. All right, the Cubs signed Andrelton Simmons. Not worth the discussion. No, it's not, but it's interesting. Like, that is one of those moves, and we, we can qualify all these moves as we go, that nobody will remember until they see the Cubs for the first time on television. Like, wait, Andrelton Simmons is their shortstop. Well, what is it'll going be on here? it'll be who the hell is that playing shortstop for the Cubs? And then <laughs> right. the next thing will be, really? Andrelton Simmons? All right. Yes, crazy. All right. March 12th, Mets acquire all-star pitcher Chris Bassett from the Athletics. Uh, not worth discussing other than to say, Oakland, man. Oakland, come on, dude. Come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. Oakland. Really? It All opened, right. What's happening in Oakland, they still haven't traded uh, Manaya or who's the other guy? And they will. And, and they're going to. But yeah, um, this is a real, uh, even by Oakland standards, this fire sale is uh, depressing to me. They're just, yeah. I mean, and they're getting a ton of good prospects and a ton of uh, guys. Yeah, they back. are. They're getting, the, but, but that's what they do, right? But it's do, like, but we didn't want the breakdown again. It just, yeah. ugh, I mean, like, 
God. All right. March 12th, at the same day, a bunch of other little minor things happen for the most part. But the Rangers, this is not a major deal, but it leads to a major deal. The the Rangers sent uh, uh, Isaiah Kinder-Falefa to the Twins for Mitch Garver. Uh, that's not the end of that story. Yeah, All right. Let's put, put, we'll put, put a pin put, in that. Put a pin in that one. All right. March 13th, big day. First of all, Nelson Cruz signed with the Nationals, which is not really worth a discussion other than to say, wow, Nelson Cruz, man. Still, no. Someone <laughs> broke this down. I can't remember who it was. I wish I remembered if it was, um, if it was like Tom Verducci or, or Jeff Passan or somebody, but like, uh, Nelson Cruz has made, I'm making these numbers up, but he's made, you know, like $110 million in his life and like $85 million of it is after <laughs> right. he turned 36. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> it's, it's, his career is so crazy, but... Good man, for him, though, that, man. That, that guy oh, absolutely thrilled. That, that guy's going to hit forever. All right, here we go. We start with the Twins getting Sonny Gray from Cincinnati. Hmm. It's not the biggest thing, but sort of a harbinger. Harbinger. Yep. Harbinger of, what, of things uh, to come. Of things to come. And then the big one. Ugh, ugh. Uh, the New York Yankees acquire Josh Donaldson, uh, as well as Isaiah uh, uh, Kinder Falefa, and uh, and catcher Ben Roardfeet. 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 From the Twins in, in exchange for uh, uh, Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Um Yuck. So, it, 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 well, okay, a couple of things to say about this. One is, it is so funny to me, because the thing that we're not obviously dancing around and haven't gotten to yet is that the, the twins are about to sign uh, Carlos uh, Correa. Yeah, we're going to get to Carlos Correa, yes. But it's so funny to me, in a pure schadenfreude kind of a way, that the Yankees wanted, all Yankees fans wanted Correa. That was the guy. They were like, let's get Correa. We moved Gleyber yeah. back to second base. We have Correa. We lock him in forever. We dominate, blah, blah, blah. Right. They end up taking Josh Donaldson from the Twins, which frees up <laughs> essentially $30 million so that the Twins can go out and get Correa. <laughs> that is, is really funny. That's that a is very, really funny. very and I And I legitimately think the, the Yankees got better. Their infield defense was terrible. Torres was, was. playing out of position at short. Kiner Falefa is an incredible defender. By war, they increased by like six war yeah. projected oh, yeah. war this year. Yeah, like most I, of it on defense. Actually. Yeah, well, I mean, because that's... well, Sanchez was a disaster on defense, and their yes. shortstops were a disaster, and so they they now have a guy that they apparently think is like a great defensive catcher, and and they've got they've got maybe the arguably the best defensive shortstop in the American League playing. Yeah, he's and, great defensively. I don't I don't think he'll hit, but he's great defensively. But. but they lost out on Correa, and they literally gave the Twins the tools they needed to sign Correa, <laughs> and that we should all enjoy that. <laughs> Which is delightful. It is delightful. Um, is Donaldson? How much does he have left? I don't think he has a lot left. I mean, that's he, the question. He, he hit him. He, you know, look. He's he. Everyone who goes to New York finds the Fountain of Youth for a while. Exactly. Exactly. So, but he is a he is a a, a pole hitter. I don't think he's going to make a ton of opposite field. Home, he, he'll get a few because everybody gets a few there. But he, I, I don't know. I, I can't be that worried about him, except in the sense that I'm paranoid about anyone like him right. who goes to the Yankees who then suddenly has a career year, yeah. even if he's 36 and often injured. Yeah, exactly. But he was pretty good last year. All right. Big day, March 14th. The Mariners uh, basically took every good Reds player. They yep. got Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. Uh, in a trade, uh, the Reds, man. 
Uh, you talk just it's, talk o- of, it's Oakland East. Like it's Oakland East. It's yeah. Oakland East, and they have much less of an excuse to do it. Here was a big one. The Braves uh, made the blockbuster deal with Oakland to get Matt Olson. That mm-hmm. was uh, obviously big because it would lead to Freddie Freeman leaving, which we'll get to in a sec. Right. But here's what I did not fully appreciate. They they gave up uh, some some top level prospects, yeah. uh, including Christian Pash, who is like um, incredible, incredible defensively, incredible, yeah. like best in baseball level defensively. But I really did not fully appreciate how good Matt Olson is, man. I mean, like he's been doing yeah. it in Oakland. Yeah, he's really good. Because really I was like good. going, I was like going, hey, he's not Freddie Freeman, but you know what? He might be Freddie Freeman. He, he might, might be, be. He's also, um, I mean, that park, doing what he did in that park is incredibly impressive. Yes, that's the thing. That's yeah. why I think he goes to a a better hitter's park. I mean, come on. Yeah. All right, a couple small ones. Adam Adovino went to the Mets. Uh, and Andrew McCutcheon of Milwaukee, that just not worth saying other than, man, remember when he was like the best player in baseball? Like, also, I just so love good. that. That guy's great, man. I'm, I'm I love happy him. That I he love has the a, guy. I'm happy he has a new team. I don't know what he has left, but like that dude rules. I'm so I want happy. him to have a great comeback year. Yeah, I would me love too. that to happen. All me right. Too. March 15th, Anthony Rizzo back to the Yankees uh, as two Yankee haters. Um, you're in, happy you, you're happy that. about this. Right? I'm happy to see it, man. I I'm just not. I am not in on Rizzo at all, at all. I I I'm a little bummed up because he's he is still very good defensively. I think he is good he defensively. Does, he anchors that infield. He's left-handed. You could I could totally see him having a bounce back year now that he's been in the stadium, face some American League pitching. I could see him hitting 30 home runs again and being annoying. And yeah. Also, I've always kind of liked him. And I'm sad that I have to hate him with a burning hot passion now. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm not liked out. him for a little while, so I'm okay with right. you know. And and also he's isn't he one of the Yankees tied up with the whole? Is he going to be vaccinated or not vaccinated? Yeah, well that's that's an amazing subplot. Is that it seems like the guys that maybe aren't still vaccinated are him and Judge at least. <laughs> and, yeah. And like when yeah. They, so like they go to Toronto. Toronto still has a vaccine mandate. Like. This is Kyrie, I guess, in in Brooklyn. Like, <laughs> yeah, and there's some weird New York stuff too. I mean, like, I, I saw one scenario where they would like be eligible to play seventy games all year. You know, I mean, that, I don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, it's it's wild. All right, crazy, 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 crazy day on March sixteenth. All right, the Blue Jays get Matt Chapman, which I believe uh, in a trade with Oakland, mm-hmm. which I believe might be the single biggest move made really? by any team. Oh, I just think Matt Chapman is great. He's a great player. He feels like he's exactly what that like team needs. He's like an unbelievable defensive player. He's going to hit for power. That lineup is already so exciting. And that young. infield is absurd. It's absurd. It's, it's absolutely absurd. absurd. That, did you uh, see um, Vladdy Jr.'s uh, quote? It's one, the best quote in preseason baseball history, which was, he said, last year was the trailer. This year, you're going to see the whole movie. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I thought that was huge. Absolutely huge. Uh, the Phillies get Kyle Schwarber, which I, is not would not be worth discussing other than beginning the Phillies subplot of getting the worst defensive players in baseball. Or if you could look at it as getting all designated hitters. They're, they're, it's the first ever all DH lineup. Now that the DH is in the National League, they're like, well, what if we just had they're everyone like, be a designated they're, they, they were like, how many of these DHs do we get? And they're like, as many as you want. 
They they it is it should be noted that they got Schwarber and Castellanos yeah for less than the Yank than the um than Matt Olson or than uh, Chris Bryant the Rockies gave yes. Chris Bryant Rockies gave Chris Bryant 182 million yes and Castellanos plus Schwarber was like 180 or something oh yeah well we're gonna get to Bryant in a second because that yeah. also happened on this day Zach Greinke going back to Kansas City of course warms Makes my him heart so happy, right yeah oh I texted uh, with. Um, Dayton Moore, uh, the general manager, well, now president of the team, not general manager anymore. Uh, oh, he's so happy. So happy. That's like, we, we just want, like, can't we get more of that? Can't we just yeah. get more like happy stories? And then uh, the the one you already mentioned, Chris Bryant, seven years, $182 million with the Rockies, which you can throw on to the $50 million that they gave St. Louis so that they could get rid of Arenado. Yeah, so, so basically $232 million. To replace Arenado to, with Chris Bryant. Who is not as good. Yeah, no, that is that is basically what... <laughs> I, I mean, it really, truly might be the weirdest signing in the history of baseball. Let's... Uh, we should uh, quickly, very quickly do a, an, another new segment called What Are the Rockies Doing? <laughs> new segment, What Are the Rockies Doing? This week... Uh, what are the, the we answer the question every what are the Rockies doing? What are, what are the Rockies this doing? week? Yeah. The answer is uh, we have no idea, no clue, no not idea. even the slightest idea. I, I can't even. Can you even guess what they're doing? Like, what is the institutional plan? I I I literally have no earthly idea. Other than, I mean, you could also ask what's Chris Bryant doing. I mean, yeah. I, but I mean, at least with Chris Bryant, you'd be like, oh look, they they offered him the most money. And at this point in his career, he's like, I've already won the World Series. I'm, you know, I'm. That was I'm my gonna, theory. I'm, you know that, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and I don't blame him one bit. He should get everything he deserves. Uh, but the Rockies, I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Which, which sort of leads to the segment I wanted to talk about, which we have to bring back. It's an original podcast segment, mm. which is which is called Face Off, where you and I face off on the right. hottest topics. Uh, in baseball, the, right? The biggest, the, the biggest hot button issues. The hot button issues, the, the, the exactly the sort of thing. Go at it. We just put we, on our boxing gloves and we just go at it. Boom, right, boom, boom, back right, and forth. Right. Great. Exactly. So, so why don't we do that? Let's face off Great. on why the Rockies would do this, why they would sign Chris Bryant for okay. that kind of money. Mike, go. Uh, because they're a poorly run franchise with no plan. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah, that's about right. All right. <laughs> this has been Face Off. Okay. By the way, I think the way Face Off is supposed to work is you're supposed to say, I think the Rockies were dumb for signing Chris Bryant. Oh, yeah. And then I say, I agree. I yeah, agree. I believe that's how Face Off <laughs> used to work. That's, that's right. That's yeah. right. It's not actually, it's not enough of a hot topic issue, right? Like, I mean, because because everybody... So it has to be something that 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 you would see people really, truly screaming. Right, like, it's, it's, like, it's a Stephen A. Smith situation with Skip right. Bayless where you're like, the Rockies are idiots for giving Chris Bryant yes. that much money over to you. And then yes, you say, then I, go, I agree, yeah, no, that's, I agree that's right. with that yeah. take. Yeah, no, I think that's... All right, so we're, we're bringing back face-off. All right, March 17th, Freddie Freeman signs with the uh, Dodgers... Um, how do you like that lineup? Uh, well, okay. Everyone is that you know the the lineup immediately was put on Twitter, and everyone was like, "Good God, look at this lineup!" There's four MVPs in that lineup. Right there, there is there's speed, there's power, there's right-handed power, there's left-handed power, there's switching yes. power, there's there's a blah 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 blah. Here's the only thing I'll say. I mean, I, I 
whatever, odds-on favorites to come out of the NL, Sure, I would say, at this point. I don't think the Braves are as good as they were last year, and they also got a little lucky, and some of the yeah. other teams, like, who knows about the Padres, blah, blah, blah. We don't know blah, what blah. the Giants are. Yeah, don't know don't about know. the Giants. That that seemed like a fluke, although the Giants always seem like a fluke, and they always yes. seem to show up. Here's the only thing I'll say is that when you look at that crazy lineup that, that you can now lay out for the Dodgers, one through six – I'm incredible. I don't incredible. I don't understand yeah. how you pitch to anybody in that lineup. It's it's not only speed and power, it's also incredible patience. It's great yes. batters, great great yes. eyes, guys who walk a lot. It's Mookie Betts and and, and it's Freddie Freeman and it's right. Will Smith and it's, yep. you're just like god, how, what do you no, do here? Yeah. At the bottom of the lineup are three guys that are that are even though you know their names and they're great players, they're still question marks. Those guys to me are Justin Turner Yep. Not quite sure what he has left uh, at this point. Injured a lot recently. A.J. Pollock, which is like, okay. yeah, Now, granted, yeah. he's like hitting ninth for them. And so, right. you know, Yeah, you're fine with it, but it's not, he's not, yeah. Right. And then there's Bellinger. And yeah. let's not forget the fact that Bellinger, granted, former MVP, uh, had a lot of, fought through a lot of injuries last year, but... I mean, he hit like what one eighty seven or something the entire year. Um, so you know, look the one sixty five. Yeah, like I mean, sub sub major league level. And oh yeah, everybody talked about um, his shoulder was bothering him. He lost all his power, and he was never right. And I I think that's probably true. There's at least some truth to that. But as like when you first looked at that lineup, you were just right. blown away. But then when you really drill down. I don't know. And and look, they have Clayton back, and he's not what he used to be, nope. obviously. Nope. They lost Kenley Jansen, who, despite having some periods of trouble last year, still had a, like a 232 ERA and a low whip. Right. Bauer is a disaster. Bauer probably doesn't, probably doesn't pitch for them at all. He'll never pitch for the Dodgers again, I don't think. No. no. They lost Joe Kelly. They lost some guys in their bullpen. They, they still have like a bunch of guys who throw 100 and are good and whatever, but... I I don't I mean and they still have Trey Turner it's short yeah. they, they lose Corey Seager and replace him with a guy who's better somehow so yes bananas lineup but I also think that it was a little your brain told you something about that stated lineup one through nine yeah. that isn't quite true which is I think, there's no easy outs in that lineup. no I agree with you I actually was comparing that lineup with like the 1999 Cleveland lineup right that was so you know. And that was Manny and Tommy and and you know it was Marvis Cal and Kenny Lofton completely and, um, loaded and it was like you know I don't know that the Dodgers lineup is necessarily better than that they, lineup. They're the last team to score a thousand runs, I think. Right? They're the last team yeah. to score a thousand runs, and it was a little bit different era, but still, I mean, it was uh, every single one of them was on steroids. Is that what you're talking? About? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying that they. Uh, this lineup is absolutely incredible, but it is a name lineup in a lot of ways, and so I think so they're, we'll, they're, the 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 danger to them is that there's a little bit of regression throughout. I mean, look, if you want to be optimistic, you say Mookie probably has a better year this year than he did last right. year. He had a, a slightly down year last year offensively, so there are some guys who can improve. And oh you yeah, you have a full year of Trey Turner. You have a full year of hopefully Bellinger back to the way he was before. If that's the case, then forget it. Then forget it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also, I also am a little there. There are some, for a team with a whatever it is, two hundred and eighty-five million dollar payroll. There are some holes in that team. There are. It's, it's not the perfect team. I, I do want to point out one thing that Molly Knight uh, pointed out about the Dodgers, which I do think is very funny, which is 
that basically the team they played in the last series, um, each of the last whatever it is, three or four years, they then took that team's best player. Yeah. Like, like, like right? So they played, yeah. they played Boston, and then they were like, okay, we'll just take Mookie. And they played Washington, and they're like, all right, we want Max Scherzer and, uh, and, Trey, Turner. and Trey Turner. And now they played the Braves, and they, they – so if you beat yeah. the Dodgers in the playoffs – they're coming for you. It's That's a classic uh, if you can't beat them, buy them situation. <laughs> buy them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. March 18th, the Phillies landed their 19th uh, DH in Nick Castellanos, who can really hit, man. I mean, can really Perfect hit. Perfect DH. That Phillies team is going to hit. That, but they're not going to catch anything. So it's like, you know. They're, they're going to be the 2003 Red Sox, basically. They're going to just hit yeah. a billion homers and doubles. <laughs> and they're going to be a, a nightmare defensively. Nightmare defensively, yeah. yeah. No, it's bad. And then, as you mentioned, the Braves signed uh, Kenley Jansen, which yeah. is weird. I don't understand. It was a one-year $16 million deal, which is, look, it's a lot of money. I get it. The Dodgers. Why wouldn't you bring Kenley Jansen back? I don't understand exactly. My guess would be that they kind of institutionally feel that he can't get it. He done can't anymore. do it anymore. And yeah. and the Braves are rolling the dice that he can. And um and I I mean I don't know who to trust. I also think the Dodgers the Dodgers gave Freddie Freeman a lot of money. They gave a they lot did. of their guys a lot they of did. money. And I and I they're probably also. Uh, my, another guess would be that Kenley wanted a three-year deal from the Dodgers or something, and they said no, and now he's just going to Go prove, up the one year. prove yeah. himself or whatever. But, you know, look, they have the, as many um, – as good as that Dodgers team is now, they also have impending problems because Turner Trey Turner is a free agent at the end of the year. That's right. They're going to need a new third baseman at some point. Maybe They're, this year. Maybe I mean, this, really, maybe honestly, I mean, you – Justin Turner's being held together with duct tape at this point. They so. lost. They lost Scherzer. They don't have. Yeah. Um, they don't have a. You know. They, and Bauer. They lost. Ba- like last year, they were like, "Oh my God!" There's seven Cy Young Award winners on the right. team, and now suddenly there's none. Really. Well, it's like Kershaw, and you don't really know what you're going to get out of Kershaw. I mean, you, you yeah. figure he'll he'll be good. You figure he'll be good, but how good? I mean, it's and how many and for how many innings? Like uh, and for how many innings? Right. They right. have they have bigger problems, I think, than than who to close. that a team with that kind of payroll should have. I yeah. think in yeah. some ways. So so that's going to be interesting. Of course, they also probably have prospects they can just bring up who will be like superstars right away i mean they always do yeah um the only other one i'll say from that day is the luke voigt era is over in new york let's let's Uh, let's pour one out for three guys who drove me and you absolutely nutty bonkers which are uh, gio urshela Urshela. and luke voigt Yes. Um, in different ways. Gary Sanchez, who is the worst defensive catcher I think I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> even though he's got maybe weirdest, the best The, the best weirdest. Arm. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, That's what's so weird. He literally cannot catch the he ball. He can't catch baseballs. <laughs> That's so weird. That's such a weird but, quality for a catcher. But do you remember when he came up? I mean, it lo- he was going to be absolutely Babe Ruth. I mean, he hit like a hundred home runs in like his first nine games. He ha- I believe he had like 22 homers in 50 games. Yeah, it was insane. It and was it, insane. Every single day he was go he was hitting a home run and Judge was hitting a home run and it yes. was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> oh no. I also, I went to games one and two of the 2018 ALCS in Boston, Red Sox, Yankees. Right. And in, I, the, they won game one and the Yankees won game two. And in one of those games, I don't remember which one it was, Gary Sanchez had a, hit a home run to oh. just to the left of center field at Fenway that 
hold on, let me just check what time it is. It's 5.10 p.m. on Saturday, March 19th. I think it just landed. <laughs> it, 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 he hit it in, that in was, October that, of 2018. Yes. And it just, I think it was scheduled to land at 5.10 p.m. today, Saturday, March 19th, 2022. And there, there are, that w- it must be so frustrating to have been the Yankees and to see with this guy, like, if it all clicked, oh. he would be in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, yeah. yeah. And no, it just I mean, never he hit, did. He hit... He he didn't just hit a lot of home runs, which he did. He hit some of the longest home runs you've ever seen. He yeah. just had unbelievable power. But he also was hitting 120. I mean, you know, like, I mean, and, yeah. and he couldn't catch, but he had, like, the, the bazooka for an arm. It's like, it's like he's a baseball prospect who left the factory early. Like, like they were, they were like, I'm ready to go. And they're like, no, you're not finished yet. And he just left. Yeah. They came in and they're like, we need him. And they're like, we have only finished his arm and his power. And we haven't finished it. And they're like, it doesn't matter. Just get him. Just, we need to catch him. We we need to paint on him and shove him out the door. We gotta, we need a catcher. (laughs) And then Urshela, because it just didn't make any sense at all that he was like really good. Like that made no sense at all. Made no sense. But I'd say Luke Voigt was the worst of the three. Well, Luke Voigt was the worst in part because he um, he literally led the league in home runs, granted in a shortened year, but he literally led the league in home runs. Yeah. And he was taken from the Cardinals, an organization that should know better, like right. that, that make their bones on knowing stuff like this about prospects for nothing. For, for quite nothing. literally just a bag of was, balls. Well, wasn't it like, like it was part of like to get some slot money or something? Like it was some unbelievably yeah. yes. horrifying deal. Yeah. And and then he went to the Yankees and it was like kind of good like right away. And it yep. was it was it was very frustrating. But now and there's a guy on the internet who on on Twitter whose handle is did Luke Voigt Homer today that he would send to you and me and, yeah. and uh, a couple of other people every day. Uh, and uh, good on you, man. But if he's if he if he homers for the Padres, uh, it's not we're not going to feel it at no, that point. No, I now well as soon as these guys now I want him to be good. Now I want him to be good. That's right. It switches. It's like I wish Gio Urshela well in his new life as a post in his post Yankee life because now you want the Yankees to regret trading him. Exactly. All right, and then March nineteenth, which is today. As we record this, even though I have no idea, the go- we don't we have no control over when this appears. The goons. Control the, the timing make of these this decisions. Thing. It's above they make the decision. But today, officially, the Minnesota Twins shocked everybody <laughs> by signing Carlos Correa and for a three-year deal, which is like a weird, like it has opt-outs every year. It's this, probably a one-year deal. Is hilarious. Deal. This is the funniest deal in the world. There's so many funny things about it. First of all, just the fact that it's three years is funny. The it's fact fun. that he can opt out after every year. Is every funny. year. Yeah. The fact that it's a hundred and whatever it is, a hundred and. Five point three million. Because <laughs> Trout makes thirty five a year, right? And, and yeah. or if someone makes thirty five a year and he wanted to be the highest paid <laughs> right. infielder. It's not so he's thirty five point one. He's thirty five point one. Who is it? Who's the my I can't remember now who even who it is, but he it's the it's the Kevin Garnett thing of of yes. of um A Rod wanting to be exactly two fifty two because right. Garnett's contract was one twenty six <laughs> and he wanted to double it. Or Scott really Scott Boris wanted to double it. Right. So it's yeah, it's thirty five point one just so he can now say he's the highest paid player yeah. infielder whatever. And it's it's a very funny deal because it is um He'll opt out probably after year one, probably. Well, but here's the thing: if he doesn't have that good a year, he will not opt out after yeah, year one. You know, my, my wild guess says he opt out. He opts out after, after two after year two because he'll be. I think he'll be twenty eight, 
And I think that he'll then try to get the 10-year deal, that it, oh, the Lindor yeah. deal that he was going for. But he could do that at 27, too. I guess it just... Look, if he has an MVP year, he's, he's operating Oh, out. he's gone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Um, But what a... What a great deal for Minnesota Twins fans. I mean, I mean, you wake up one morning and you're like, oh, we're the Twins. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, yeah, we've got Carlos Correa at shortstop. I, I've been wondering for a long time when this would exact thing would start happening. which Because we went through the era a decade and a half ago of the 10, 12-year mega deal. Yes. And those deals were signed knowing, look, in the last four years... Albert Pujols is going to not be worth this money. Right. But this is what we. This is the tax we're paying to keep him. Yeah. Same with you know that's what Lindor was. It's what all these these giant ten year twelve year deals. And I kept thinking to myself like, why don't these teams say, hey, we'll give you a um, hundred and fifty million for three years. Right. Right. And then you can go back out. You'll you're guaranteed still one hundred and fifty million, but we don't have to pay you when you're forty. Yeah. And you can go back out and get another deal. And the annual value of your deal is immense. And like that has really, that's what Scherzer's deal is. I mean, granted, he's 38 already, 39 or whatever. But that's what Scherzer's deal is. That's what Correa's deal is. That's what what Trevor Bauer's deal was before he blew up from his own in lunacy. Well, I really wonder if this, this sets the standard. Because I, the one thing that's been very interesting is that in, you know, you're a top-level NFL player, you're a top-level NBA player, you're making more per year than anybody in baseball mm-hmm. because baseball has guaranteed contracts that go all the way out. Right. And that's the way baseball has always looked at it. But I don't know why baseball wouldn't look at it where, like, no, I want to make $45 million a year yeah. and and I, I want a deal like this where I get three years guaranteed but I get to opt out anytime I want. Yeah, you know, or after after one year, after two years, maybe I get one opt out. I don't know. Especially you know. if you're the Twins, this right. is like you're everybody. Everybody wins because your team won't be decimated eight years down the road by paying right. this guy if he's thirty six when he's no longer and good. And exactly. Yeah, and he can't even play short anymore. Like your team doesn't get like weighted down. And you think of this as like a. a you think of this as like you traded for this guy in the middle of a seven-year deal. Right. You've got him for for one year or two years or maybe three if you're lucky, and then he leaves and you go get somebody else. Yeah. Every this is a I I, I feel I really feel like this is the future. Is it's no longer about ten years three fifty. It becomes four years two hundred right. or something. Right. And the right. team has a little bit of safety and the player knows that if he performs well he'll get another big deal at the end of it. And he'll like, get more. If a yeah. player performs, he'll get more at the end of the day. Yeah. I just don't I, I really have wondered why the per year thing hasn't like like players have not gone after that. Yeah. Because it feels to me like they might be able to push incredible boundaries on this thing. Yeah. Like teams, I feel like teams like if they knew that they didn't have to pay you six, seven, eight, nine years down the road, who knows what they'd give you? Yeah. Sixty million, fifty-five million, sixty-five million? I don't know. Yeah, like what would what would the Dodgers pay if Jacob Degrom were a free agent this offseason? Right. right. But, but like, what he would is, they give? Uh, I mean, after this previous season, basically, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, if they yeah, had yeah. the option this year where yeah. they have this loaded lineup. But they also have a, some fairly big long-term commitments already, and they've got some dead money kind of waiting around, and they don't know what right. Bellinger's going to give them. They would pay Jacob Degrom a hundred million for two years. Well, oh, they I think they would. They wouldn't think. They I, wouldn't think twice about it. I I don't think. I think you're hundred percent right. I think they because it's it's you're basically going. We can win the World Series. Yeah. And here's the thing: 
they would probably give him a seven-year whatever deal, not you know the, the going the way that goes. But in their minds, it's a five-year deal anyway. Right. They know the count out the last two years. Right. So, so you figure. I don't know. I I really do think. Of course, it all it also adds to the you know lack of. Uh, sort of stability that that baseball already has. I thought it was heartbreaking when Freddie Freeman uh, when the Braves said no to Freddie Freeman. I yeah. I I really felt now the Braves fans were very quick and happy to reach out to me to tell me they were thrilled, they didn't care, that Matt Olson is fine. You you don't get connected to players the way that that you used to. Yeah. For me, if I was a Braves fan, that would really be heartbreaking to me to lose Freddie Freeman. In the but, same way it was heartbreaking to lose Mookie Betts. Like, it, Mookie like Betts, if you don't but, care about these guys, then then you're you're literally just rooting for laundry and there's rooting there's for laundry, sad but here's the I know, but here's the thing, if the Red Sox had like if you had lost Mookie Betts but the Red Sox had had, had gotten uh, I don't know, Vlad Jr. or somebody like that who is like likely to be as good or close to as good or whatever the case may be. Um, can you in your mind go, yeah, no, it's fine. I'm I mean, replacing it, one with the would, other. Yeah, I mean, it would it would mitigate certainly, but yeah, but it it would st- it's still just like I I just want to have. I mean, look, we started this now hour and 20 minute podcast by talking about Tom Brady and about when Tom right. Brady left the Patriots it was like well that's kind of it's not that I don't like the team anymore it's that I like yeah. him differently yeah it's and different you don't and and you know there's Mac Jones as the quarterback now I don't care about Mac Jones he seems right. fine right and like if if maybe he'll go on a crazy run the way Brady did and I'll change my mind and I'll really come to love him and stuff I don't know but but I just don't know how you can not feel anything when a guy who's been part of your team for a dozen yeah. years and won yeah. and just won a World Series for you, like leaves. And it know. felt heartless in the way they did it. I just didn't. I just didn't like any of it. But you know, Freddie Freeman did fine. He, he's back home. He'll be okay. All right. You know what? We need to move on. It's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing. Sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no diet coke for Joe. The podcast woe. It's one last woe. I think you start this time. I, I start, start this one. Time. All right. Well, yeah. I got to go to my. To my notes um, app here on my phone because I wrote something down, which is sad that I actually felt the need to write something down. Um, I think. All right, I'm going to go with this one because I think I've used the other one. Uh, have I talk, talked about how everywhere I go, people cut in front of me? Have I used that as a one less meaningless thing? Maybe not. I don't think so. I, I don't, I'm going to use it even even if I have. I'm going to use it again. Uh, I've been traveling the last uh, couple of weeks for the first time, like in a serious way for the first time in a long time. I went to New York, uh, went to Cincinnati to pick up the Casey Award, which was really great. And um, and it reminded me again, if I'm in an airport or in a restaurant or whatever, and people are walking by, like they're walking by the line, they always cut in front of me. Always. And I've thought hard about like, like I've started to experiment with this. I used to think it was like, well, I must be keeping a larger distance between myself and the person in front of me. No, no, it does not matter what distance I leave. 
in mm. front of me. It doesn't matter how big the gap is behind me. It doesn't matter the gap that anybody else is leaving. Something about me tells people that is the person I want to cut in front of when I'm walking across. And I don't know what it's... I, I decided I think it's a good thing. I think I put out the vibe that is like, hey, you've got to get from here to there. Please, <laughs> cut in front of me. This also happens with car maneuvers where like if I'm in traffic or something and somebody's trying to come out of a restaurant uh, or, a, or a shopping center or whatever... Uh, they will also try usually to cut in front of me. Like they will, they will let several cars pass, and then me. They're like, "Yeah, no, I've this is the guy to cut in front of." So that's I don't very know. interesting. I don't, yeah, I, I feel like we should have on a social scientist of some kind as a guest to talk about why is there something that you're doing? Is there some posture you're assuming? Yes, or I think there's a posture. About, yeah, yeah. Like I would love to hear from someone who could posit a theory as to why that's true. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Also, I'm sorry. That stinks. <laughs> no, it it really doesn't. I actually don't mind it that much. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm pretty. As you well know, I'm pretty much let people walk all over me all the time. That's right. Uh, I gave you COVID in Kansas City, and you did. And you were like, don't, didn't even seem that upset. Um, my one last meaningless thing is also travel related, which is I've been traveling a fair amount too. I have to travel again next week, and um, there is one thing that I have to have with me in order to feel safe when I okay. travel. Okay. And that thing is the individual foil-wrapped uh, Advil with two Advil inside of it. <laughs> you know that the thing you buy at an airport? Yes, yeah, you can only get them in an airport, yes. yep. And and I, I rarely have to use it. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't get it. I'm not a headachey kind of guy. Okay. But but I find that um, it went, sometimes uh, you know you get on a plane and the dry air on the plane oh, sure. leads to sure. give you a headache, or you don't sleep well and you wake up and whatever you're doing is made significantly worse by a headache. Yeah. And so I have these um, these Advil, uh, you know, those there's two Advil caplets. I have one right here. These two yes. Advil caplets in, in yes. a little thing. And um, and uh, if I if I have one in my bag, if uh, I am happy and I feel safe and I feel like everything's gonna be fine. And if I okay. don't have one, I be, I get worried and paranoid and scared. <laughs> and and recently, uh, and they're not cheap. It's like a dollar fifty for no, they're ridiculous. They're yeah. overpriced. Yeah. But I was I was uh, traveling. I went to San Francisco with my friend Nate, uh, and we went to a, the Warrior Celtics game. Yes. And. Um, and we so we flew up in the morning. It's a very short flight. It's a forty-five minute flight from LA. And we walked around San Francisco. Had a great lunch. Walked around the city. Went to a, a bookstore. Had a great time. And then we were walking home. And I was like a little. I, I had the faintest sense that I might have a headache. And the game is starting in a couple hours. And I went back and I was like, I don't know if I have it. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. <laughs> and I unzipped the pocket where I keep it. And I had one. And I didn't even take it. I didn't need to take it. Wow. It was almost like the headache was like, a, like, like a, was scared away by the fact that I had the, the foil wrapped to Advil. And so it was like, all right, I, this is pointless. There's no point in me taking hold of your head because you're just going to defeat me with your Advil. And it went away. And, and wow. I really like it is the difference between safety and and anxiety for me. When and I anxiety. All right, I have questions. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, one, how do you open said foil wrap? You fold the corner down. There has, yep. It has a little perforation. No, I'm asking how you specifically. Yeah. Uh, so I open fold it. the yeah. corner down and then I tear it open like that. So you actually can tear it with your fingers. Yeah. You I always. 
Or use my teeth. I always <laughs> have to use my teeth to open it. That's why. But here's the more important question. You get to the airport. Mm-hmm. You are you're 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 on time. You're 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 not in a rush. You're, you get right. to the airport. You got twenty minutes or so before, you got, before boarding. Maybe twenty or thirty minutes before yeah before boarding. Yes. Okay. So you're walking in and you're you're at LAX and you walk in and you've you've got your bags and you're going and you remember I don't have an Advil. Will right. you stop and buy one right then? A hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yes. And sometimes, even if I know I have one, and I'm if I go to like Hudson News or or the equivalent, yes, the, in an airport, uh, to like just like maybe there's a magazine I want to buy, or I'll sure. pick up a Sports Illustrated or a Harper's or whatever. Sure. Uh, even if I know I have one, I'll st- and I see them, I'll still buy them because I'm like well, these things they keep forever, right? So they I'll just keep forever. I know I have now. I'll have the next three trips. I know I'll have. Them. Yes. So I'll, I'll I'll sometimes just buy backups even when I don't when I already. Well, it's interesting because. I have the same exact scenario, but with Dramamine. I ah. I I take Dramamine on every single flight that I go on. Really? Does it yeah. make you sleepy? It does make me sleepy, which I don't mind. I yeah. usually I want to take it's it's good. It's like a little 10, 15, 20 minute nap or something. Um but years and years ago I got sick on a plane. Um and uh I don't I, I don't get air sick generally. And right. don't have, you know, I have a little bit of motion sickness, but it's not usually affected by a plane. But that one time I had it many years ago, I have probably bought 500 packets of, <laughs> and I, and I only like, you can get it in the store, like in tubes and all that. And I've had to don't do want that. It. Don't want no, the full bottle of Advil. No. I don't want a full bottle. I just want the little foil uh, Dramamine. Chewable Dramamines. I want, I I could buy 500 Advil for like $11. I don't want that. I want two (laughs) Advil for $3. (laughs) This is who we are. This is who we are. All right. Well, you know what? An epic. It's an epic podcast is what this is. It really was. Yeah, we we, we covered a lot of ground. We We did not, we did not get to unofficial nicknames. You know what? Keep sending them in. We're waiting for Dodgers. Uh, there have right. been a few interesting ones. Giants. Uh, keep sending those in, and uh, we'll get to those next time. But uh, as always, Mike, thank you. The Timberwolves are good. Pause cast. Pause cast.